3. That is in the New Testament. I believe just after Thessalonians. Just after 2 Timothy. So that's Titus chapter 3. Doing what is good. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all men. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, having have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. As soon as I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, because I have decided to winter there. Do everything you can do everything you can to help Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. And also, from the Heidelberg Catechism. The Heidelberg Catechism, that would be Lord's Day 32. And we're going to read question 86. Lord's Day 32, question 86. We have been delivered from our misery by God's grace alone through Christ and not because we have earned it. Why then must we still do good? And the answer, to be sure, Christ has redeemed us by his blood. But we do good because Christ by his spirit is also renewing us to be like himself. So that in all our living, we may show that we are thankful to God for all he has done for us. And so that we may be praised that he may be praised through us. And we do good so that we may be assured of our faith by its fruits, and so that by our godly living, our neighbors may be won over 
to Christ. People of God, our text this morning is verse 8 of Titus chapter 3, where it says, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. So you noticed in that passage out of Titus, there is that stress on doing good in response to what God has done for us. As we reflect this morning, I just wanted to remind you that we are uh, looking at the uh, summary of the Bible in the Heidelberg Catechism. We had uh, a number of weeks ago uh, that sense at the beginning of September too that our denomination, the Christian Reformed Church, is just reflecting back on 450 years where the Heidelberg Catechism uh, has been uh, a way of, of just summarizing the truth of the Bible, receiving that truth, and growing in that knowledge of the truth. So this morning, again, we finish by looking at the third part of the Heidelberg Catechism. The Catechism itself sums up the truth of the Bible with the word comfort. This word comfort is, is central, that that the whole Bible is a comforting message, and that in, in a very full sense. And so we, we started with that truth of Lord's Day 1, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And that's, that's how that summary of the Bible begins its first question and answer. And it, it immediately focuses us on, I am not my own, I'm not struggling along on my own, but I belong, body and soul, my whole life, even when I die, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. What, what a comfort that, that my whole living here and all the ups and downs and all the uncertainties and, and between the joys and the sadnesses, that's the center. Beautiful. Then it described, and we looked at, the sense of, of discomfort. We are in, in a world where there is much discomfort. And in fact, our own sin makes us uncomfortable. If we had to stand before holy God and explain to him all the things we did and why we said this and why we did this, and, and that would make us uncomfortable because we do things and say things that God would not be pleased with at all. And so that, that context of God's comfort comes into our discomfort, our uncomfortable reality of life that we are sinful. And brings, as we looked last, last week, to the sense of our hope. What do we do now? How can we be made right with God? And it's to receive the comfort of God's grace in Jesus, that we see what God has done that we see how he sent his son to deliver us from sin, to, to center our lives on his grace, and to go forward in his strength. And so that reality of comfort is at the center of the biblical expression of God's goodness, and it comes back to us 
in the Heidelberg Catechism where it highlights that truth. Now this morning, after receiving that truth, after recognizing what God has done for us, there is a sense, too, of our responding. How do we respond then? Sure, you can say, too, I'm a sinner, and, and I'm saved. Thank the Lord, I'm saved. And now what? Now, how do you go on? How do you live each day in that, that assurance that God, by his grace, has saved you? And the comfort is expressed in providing comfort to others. That we, we who have received the comfort of God's grace, look around, look all around to those who, who don't have that. And that we seek to bring that comfort to them. So, so the whole sense of, of comfort from God to us to others is the movement of faith that the Bible presents and that the Catechism summarizes. And that brings out wonderful truths of the Bible, even, for example, the words of Matthew 25, where Jesus is speaking and it says, he says too, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, thirsty, and you gave me something to drink, a stranger, and you invited me in, needing clothing, and you clothed me, sick, and you looked after me, in prison, and you came to visit me. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. You were responding to me. Jesus, who died on the cross for your sin, for my sin, what can I do for him? How can I thank him? When you did it to one of the least of these, you were doing it to me. So in serving others, in comforting those in need, in coming alongside in simple ways of thankful service, you were responding to what God had done for you. And you were living out your faith in a way that made it real comfort to others. And so that's what we're looking at this morning, that comforting truth of the gospel that lives in us, but that we are called to live out. The third part of the Heidelberg Catechism is entitled a Gratitude. Gratitude, our thankful response in humble service. And so it has that sense in Lord's Day 32 as, as the first question and answer in that section. It asks, since we have been delivered from our misery by grace, this gracious, comforting work of Christ, without any merit of our own, why then should we do good works? And the answer comes beautifully. Christ has redeemed us by his blood. He's restoring us by his spirit into his image so that we would be Christ-like. So that with our whole lives, we may show that we are thankful to God. That's what we want to do. We want to show in our whole lives that we are thankful to God. 
for his benefits, the, that he might be praised through us, that we may be assured of our faith more and more by its fruits, and so that by our godly living, our neighbor may be won over the Christ. So that's exactly the emphasis as we reflect on our faith and how we go forward in that faith, that we would show our thankfulness to God in lives of humble service, doing good. And you see all the b different Bible passages again as part of that answer from Romans and 1 Peter and Matthew. That's the biblical call on our lives, that we would do this. Now, just to understand that more fully, it, it builds on a natural sense of politeness on the one hand. Let's say uh, as, as parents, you're raising your children. And, and I know with our guys, too, it was always uh, uh, you would do something for them and then they would just, just grab whatever, right? And you would pause and say, tell them, say thank you. You have to say thank you. <laughs> or or when, when grandma gave the, the child a present and the child grabs the bread, opens it up, oh, you have to say thank you first. You have to say thank you to get that idea clearly in mind. This is a gift, and you need to be thankful. And so that is a general understanding we have, but when we recognize what God has done, it, it's so much greater. Just like when we, we recognize when someone really helps us out. Say, for example, you are, are stuck, the vehicle is... is is uh, in, in need of repair, and you really don't have the money to repair it. It's a couple thousand dollars. And so someone comes alongside, someone graciously, lovingly, and says, here, I'll, I'll give you the money for the repair. Then truly, truly, from your heart, you're, oh, thank you, thank you. That's the natural response that, that is here, when we think of what God has done for us. And that sense of, of being always aware of that and living that out is, is central in the Christian Reformed Church, even all the way to, so to speak, the, the central teaching body, Calvin Seminary, where it continues to train leaders and teachers in the, in the ministry. And, and the actual statement that's the, the motto of Calvin Seminary is, is that thankfulness. And it has, it, it's, it's a Latin phrase with hands and a heart, and, and it's a response to God. My heart I offer promptly and sincerely. That's the, that's the Latin phrase out of, out of uh, the theology of the day, too, that we live thankfully, promptly, sincerely before our God, when, when we respond to what he has done for us. That's an excellent, excellent attitude. My heart I give, promptly and sincerely. The grateful response to what God has done for us. That's the last part of the Heidelberg Catechism. It's, it's 21 questions and answers. So for for the historical church then that received the Heidelberg Catechism then at the beginning and continued to, to study it. And every Sunday they looked at one Lord's Day. So for 21 Sundays in a row, 
the churches would be admonished, told, encouraged to live in that thankful goodness of God kind of way. It's a huge part of our Christian living, of our Christian life, living out the new life we receive in Christ. There is the need for warning. There is need for warning because there's a danger here. And what has happened, what has happened is that well-meaning, good Christian people have, have run stuck just on this point. Because what has happened is they've, they have entered into that truth of, of thankfully serving God. And they've, they've become active, doing wonderful things, helping the poor and the needy and, and, and clothing and all kinds of things, giving generously, Already, already early on, before, before the catechism, even back in church history, there has been the, the, the reality that people, without, without purposely flipping it around again and thinking, too, I'm so good. I'm, oh boy, am I ever doing a lot of good? And so, God must love me. And, and boy, I'm going to heaven because look how good I am. And, and that tendency of human pride can slip in. And, and you can begin to lose sight of God and, and faith and his grace. And, and, and you can even do a lot of good. Oh, man, you can do a lot of good. And there's a lot of people who were Christians or not Christian now who are doing a lot of good. Oh, man, they are helping the poor and needy. They are overseas. They are giving till it hurts with the sense, boy, I'm so good. God must really love me. And he'll take me to heaven because I'm so good. That, that tendency began already early on when, when the church was moving forward and, and the early church back in 400, 500. There's, there's a famous story of a guy named Pelagius. And, and he, was, he was a wonderful Christian man. Very knowledgeable, very active. But he felt too, really, really what it came down to in the end all of the good he was doing must be worth something. And so really, that was the goal. Just do good and you will be saved. And so he brought this forward. It's not God's grace. It's not, it's you doing good. Make sure you do lots of good and then you can be sure you'll go to heaven. The church at that time said too, that's not our hope. That's not our comfort. Again, around the time of the writing of the Heidelberg Catechism, a man named Arminius came forward again. It just struck him. People do a lot of good stuff. must be worth something. It must, it must be. And he even pushed it back to the point where 
he said, look it, you, you, God cannot save you. Even if God wants to save you, even if God has it completely in mind that, that he loves you and he wants to save you and Jesus died for you, until you do some good, he can't save you. You have to do good. You have to do a fair bit of good stuff. You have to kind of raise your hand. God, here I am. Here I am. Look at me. Look at me. And then you say, oh, oh, look, there's one. I'll save that one. And the church looked at that again and said, no, even the good we do is never on the saving side. It's always on the thankful side. And if you pull it back to the saving side, then you undermine all that God has done. Then part three of the Heidelberg Catechism becomes part two. How are you saved? Well, by all the good works I do. And then you don't even need part one of the Heidelberg Catechism or of the Bible because really you don't sin. Look how good you are. And so everything breaks down. Everything moves from God to you. And so that has always been a danger, but it's always been something that the church has stood against clearly and firmly. The truth of the Bible is that God does the saving work. God does the saving work. We don't. All of our good work has no impact on his grace saving us completely. But we responding do good works as we give thanks to him. And so that's what we are invited into again this morning, that we have been given that grace in Jesus and we are joyfully invited as grateful people to do good out of humble and sincere thankfulness to God. That's what we find in Titus 3. Titus, the whole letter of Titus is, is really nice that way. It continues to, to focus on what God has done and how we respond in good works. Titus was ministering in the church, and as he was doing that, he was encouraging people to do good in thankfulness to God. And so, indeed, the words of our text in, in Titus 3, verse 8, a trustworthy saying, a central truth to stress these things, so that those who have trusted in God might be careful, careful not to think I'm doing good because I'm so good and I'll earn my salvation, but to be careful in doing good, carefully remembering that it's, it's God who has done so much for me. And now I humbly want to live for him. Be careful in doing what is good. And there in Titus 3, it, it, it's in the context of verse 4, the kindness and love of God our Savior. And verse 5, we are saved not because of what we have done, but by God's mercy and grace. So very clearly in Titus 3, he, he places it in the biblical context. And then verse 7 too, to be perfectly clear, we have been justified by grace alone only on that basis then. 
of what God has done, are we urged to do good. And the actual work that is, is then, then worked out in us is by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit comes and, and works in our hearts and lives to truly humbly guide us into doing what is good. Because in Titus 3, verse 3 and 4, it still mentions some of the struggles. And later on, too, towards the end of the chapter, it talks, too, about some of the, the struggles that are still there and, and that people need to control their tongue. They should not quarrel with each other. They should not let sinful passions and pleasures rule their lives. Uh, we, we are still sinful people. But to seek by the Spirit live a life that that shows God's grace to us and is worked out in doing good to others. Lord's Day 32 lists four benefits at the end. And so when we when we enter into this truth, when we seek to live out this truth of our faith, we do experience benefits. Uh, two are for God and two are for us. The first benefit, God is honored in our good deeds that we show. We show that we are thankful to God. We may show in our deeds, in what we do. So, so you might consider, uh, instead of, of going, going uh, one place, you, you might go on a mission trip. And then, and then that's, that's your thankful response. That the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, works in your heart. And I know we're organizing some potential for some youth to go on a mission trip. And, and there's other options always to help out maybe. And, and yeah, you can travel here or there, or you can go on a mission trip. What, what is the good work? Oh, I'll go on a mission trip because then then I look better and I feel better and then God will love me more. No. <laughs> you get caught up in the wrong idea again. It's not that you are, are somehow saving yourself by going on a mission trip. But it's that God would, would guide you and say, hey, you, I'd like to do that. I'd like to just serve him thankfully. And that the Spirit would work in what we do, that we would show. Or if you help at the thrift store, why help at the thrift store? Well, because it's serving, humbly, thankfully. Or just being gracious in church to those around you. Or loving your neighbor. Rick Abma starting that whole ministry of, of just loving your neighbor. Why? Because God has loved you and called you to love your neighbor. And it brings glory to God as we do it out of a thankful heart to him. And so that sense of, of passing on the comfort of God in deeds. Uh, the second one is words. God is praised in our good words, that we may be praised, uh, that God might be praised throughout. That, that's the sense of speaking in what we say and in what we do. It should be consistent and so that sense of, of praising God and how we speak and that we would have a, 
Good words. Good words. Clear words of encouragement, words of direction, words of, of upbuilding. That, that's, that's a part of responding to what God has done. God has spoken a good word in our heart and life. And that our words continue to speak out that truth. Even a very simple statement, if someone someone asked you too, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. That's a good word. That's a good word to say and to share. And that people would recognize that and that you would seek to live that out before God. There's also benefits for us. And that's a beautiful thing, that by the Holy Spirit too, that we, as we do good, we are assured of our faith by its fruits. It strengthens our faith. And sometimes too, we don't fully appreciate uh, that until we step out in faith. But, but we see that worked out. People do go on a mission trip, and they come back and they say, you know what well we ask what did you, what did you do we say well i built something or i helped someone and, and then then we ask well what about you we say yeah they'll say i i was encouraged in my faith more so than than i imagined or if or if say for example you go and visit someone maybe someone is lonely and 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 you feel too maybe you go and visit them and and you come away feeling yeah, you've done some good, but you yourself are, are encouraged. You feel too, boy, that was more encouraging for me than for them. How does that happen? Well, that's God's grace worked in our hearts. And as we seek to do good, he encourages us too. And so to recognize that as we do good, we are humbled to find God is wonderfully present and faithful in what we are doing. And finally, that we are blessed to see others come to faith in Jesus' evangelism. By our godly living, our neighbors might be won over to Christ. And that's, that's such a wonderful thing. There's nothing better or more encouraging that just through a simple witness, through acts of love and encouragement, that God works to draw others to faith. It's, it's a remarkable thing, and it's such a blessed thing. And that reality is always there. As people look at Christians, as they look at the church, how we live, how we act, how we speak is to be a light to the world. And God blesses by bringing people to faith. People of God, we are invited again this morning to enter into the wonder of God's grace and to respond in lives of thankful service, in word and deed. So this morning too, in this day, in the coming week, as you go out, be, be more sensitive to that again and how you can show the love of God and serve your Lord and Savior in what you say and see and do, that you would pass on that comfort to others. Amen. We're going to respond in a song of thanksgiving.